play a few rounds of beer pump to get all sorts of ripped. I'll do another Bret Hart promo, which is pretty fucking good the last time the House of Hughes. Did you see the the beef on Twitter between Becky Lynch and Edge? Yeah, they're pretty much working, but it's still great. Uh, It's like, I'll take on the one in the household that doesn't have a glass necker and shit like that. Oh, well, did you see that uh, he said something and she tweeted out a picture of him and Lita was like, I think you got your redheads mixed up. And 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 then he replied with, Hey, just make sure when your boyfriend sends you those naughty pictures, it's actually intended for you or something like that. We should have harped on that. I think it's really dumb that they're portraying them on screen as a couple. Same as that. We talked about this a long time ago with the <laughs> Becky and um, Charlotte storyline. You cheer for the underdog. You Nobody nobody likes the popular kid. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, I think that's a weird thing where they're like, that's our heavyweight champion, this good-looking guy. And this is our girl's champ. She's a good-looking chick, and they love each other, and this is great. No, we don't fucking like that. Like, I mean, like it's we're a, I'm a jealous society. Like, I think it's, I don't think it's a good idea. I think everybody should be more approachable. I don't know. So you put them on there where it's just like, you like both of them, right? You like them together. It's like, no, we fucking don't. We don't ever want the popular kid to get the hot girl. I'm good. I got a fresh one. We talked about that for the Becky and Charlotte storyline where, like, uh, Charlotte got the number one contendership even though Becky fought her ass off to earn it. And we're like, we've all been there. We've all, you know, Charlotte didn't do anything wrong. She was just the best. She's the best. She's the most popular. She's the coolest. So, like, when you really, really like that girl and your popular, handsomer buddy gets the girl, you can't be mad at him. He didn't do anything wrong. No. But fuck him. (laughs) <laughs> like and that was the story, and I thought it was really really good because you're because when Becky turned on Charlotte, you're like they didn't take to her heel turn. So we're like, no, because we're all that guy. We're we're there's five percent of us that's the the popular good looking kid that got the girl. No, the other ninety five percent of us are like, no, fuck you. And there's like, that there's one percent of us that's the turd dude that got the girl. <laughs> that's me, fuck you, John <laughs> Thomas. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I don't know. It's tough for me because I love Becky. Becky is my girl. So you sitting there happy with her having the on-screen boyfriend then? But, like, that's the thing. You'd think I would be pissed, but I like Seth, too. So I'm just kind of like, well... You're pulling for both of them. Well, if they're going to do it, they're doing it in such a half-ass way, too. Like, oh, let's just name drop them to to toy with Seth, and then, oh, she'll accompany him... uh, in the ambulance, but there's nothing really even going on. Why even do it if you're not doing any story? Well, well, they set it up with the 24 on Becky. There was a lot of him and her. They were kissing and stuff like after matches and shit. That's where it really kind of started. I'm like, oh wow, they're actually acknowledging that. So that now that's the other thing. Are you you're assuming that everybody's watched that new? I have the network and I watched a lot of stuff. I didn't see that. No, I know, but I'm just saying that like it's not it's not necessarily coming out of nowhere. Yeah. If for somebody that follows that shit. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think. I think that's why it's always heels always got over with the hot chick because, fuck you for having the hot chick. They're gonna rub it in your face. Yeah. Mark Marrow Mark did, but I mean even more so with like Rusev and Lana was like you know fuck you for having the hot chick. Like I think it helps you get heat more so than be like oh look at you like I like you and I like that you got the hot girlfriend. No, we don't feel that way in real life. Other than yeah. Macho Man, but that's because Miss Elizabeth was he, the most wholesome woman wholesome ever. Wholesome woman, and it started off heel. Yeah, and they they, they turned babyface organically. 
We don't want our wrestlers to have the hot chicks. That's what we landed on. Unless uh, I'm the wrestler or you're the wrestler. I'm not a wrestler. Are we pulling for each other on this one now? I guess. I don't know. If you if you Becky. got into the wrestling or business Lacey. right now, Mark, and got yourself the hot chick before I did, no. See, no, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, I get it. I I'm going to be pissed. I'm going to be the 17-year vet going, what the fuck? How are you getting in here getting the hot chicks? And then I'm probably going to fight you. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which one of us is the heel? You are okay. I probably am. Yeah, that's yeah. true. Usually John, the angry one is the heel. John will t- John will tell tell you that I'm the heel. He's the heel. You're the fucking heel. I try to be a heel, but I admit it, which makes me a face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are Honestly not. You are you not a face. face in anybody. When me and Alex have had that conversation of who's the who's the heel of your group, it's you. It is. We land on you. I love to live my life that way. I dyed my hair. I bleached my hair blonde last year. Oh, you were a heel with me to be more villainous. <laughs> I wanted to be an wow. '80s villain. Your hair. Your hair has always gotten heat with me. Yes. So, yeah. That's fair. Well, Cody's a baby face. He's got blonde hair. So. But he originally bleached to be a villain, and he what, a, what? he's uh, not a baby. He got a hot black girlfriend too, like me. So he's well, not. then I hate him even more. <laughs> he's kind of a baby. Fa- I mean, he's not really anything. What has he done lately? And that- he's smashing sledgehammer or smashing thrones with a sledgehammer for a cheap pop. That makes him a a heel. Oh, he he fought his brother on the on the terms of trying to eliminate him in his era. I mean, yeah, it's he kind of a heel move. Yeah, yeah, he I was healing that. True. He was healing that. You're right. You're right. Uh, she tried to interfere for him. Yeah, you're not going to... And Dustin's really never going to be healed. You're not going to boo the 50-year-old guy who's wrestling better than his, he ever had. No. So he's kind of permanent babyface at this point. Yeah. Unlike John Thomas, permanent heel. Permanent heel. He's a permanent heel in my book. That's how I want to live life. Well, I don't know where we're going to start the episode at now, but I know where we're going to introduce it. <laughs> Wherever you want to go in with that, because the end with that is how we start every episode. Yeah, uh, yeah, we've been doing that a lot lately. The one time we started out talking about the clapper, do you remember? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we had a whole conversation about the clapper. That was that was 13, I think. It was 13 yeah. where... Unlucky 13, I Unlucky guess. 13 where I got all fired up. Go back and watch in the archives, kids. It's Slamming beer cans. I don't know how accurate that is. <laughs> I was pissed about 13, man. That was, <laughs> got me all fired up. That was, that was a good one, though. It was a good that one. That was a good one. That was you being a voice of the people. A little bit on that yeah. one. I think so. I don't think I was terribly wrong on that one. Uh, some might think I'm wrong. I'm like, now, the yeah, 14 came along with my AEW bitter old man shit. Uh, <laughs> I might have spiraled. The in. voice of Jim Cornette. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say... Jim Cordes going to be out there tapping on the window with his tennis racket. God damn, Jerry, you know what the fuck you're talking about. Come on with a double cheese. God damn, God damn, that's your onions, that's your mayo, motherfucker. Fuck you, Mark. That's Jim Cornette. That's not me. I love you, bud. I know. I love you. By the way, y'all know I am, I'm, I am, uh, Ah, I shouldn't announce it because we're not announcing it. Uh, if anybody listens, listen. I'm I'm going to be taking on rock and roll Ricky Morton here. In, Are you really? Yeah, in a couple of months. Holy shit! Which I totally plan on telling him how much better the Midnight Express were <laughs> than the Rock and Roll Express, and we're going to have ourselves a wrestling match. We'll see how it goes. I I've already told myself. That I'm just going to go out there and just do Bobby Eaton spots the entire time. Wrestle no, no. I don't even know what my style is, but I'm not going to wrestle it at all. It's just going to be a Bobby Eaton ripoff, all and, right. and wrestle Ricky Morton with that. I'm okay with that. Teach him how to rock and roll. Cause goddamn Midnight Express, motherfucker, greatest tag team of all time. Beautiful Bobby, sweet Stan. Can you guys tell 
Jared's got a couple beers in him this episode. I'm fired up now. <laughs> now I'm happy. Well, we're not going to be happy later. No. Uh, I know why you're happy. Uh, well, before we get started, how do you, do you ever watch any Midnight Express stuff? No. That's I, my favorite tag team of all time. You know, it's, uh, I think I expressed. Um, expressed, did you do a pun? No, 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 no. Um, one of the people we're going to talk about in this podcast, the way I got into him was going back. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you, you you just don't appreciate the same things when you're older as when you did as a kid, uh, and then I could go back and watch them, and I, it's just not mm-hmm. it's just not my thing, mm-hmm. just not my thing. Can we can we watch a Midnight Express after this podcast, Mark? If you want to, we got internet hey, again. We got the internet. Yeah. John, you're sticking around watching Midnight that's Express. Fine. That's your that's the price you pay for being on our two podcasts on episode number 16 16 wow, now cool. you gotta watch the midnight express with jared and if you don't like it you're gonna be sitting close enough to me where i can punch you so yeah yeah that's fair that is all fair i think it's a fair uh fair exchange <laughs> hey mark yeah and with that this is ohio wrestlecast number <laughs> 16 i am mark thomas this is jared griffiths aka wilbur whitlock with our uh, special guest yeah joining us again uh, John Thomas again no relation to Mark Thomas. no relation but joining us again for the second straight episode because we uh, we, we we did episode 15 where we just talked about the current product talked about just talk shop man just talk wrestling in general talk about AEW NXT WWE talk about what wrestling meant to us uh, had a lot of fun with that but there was one one recurring topic that uh, very controversial on one of our earlier episodes. Was it like six or seven or overrated, underrated episode? Yeah, somewhere around that. I part. should do the research. Um, Maybe. We had an overrated, underrated episode. And I said the most overrated WWF superstar was Brett the Hitman Hart. And now, I mean, I did this for reaction. I did this so people could have an opinion on it because I am not an anti-hitman guy. It's, we'll just get that out of the way. Aside from like maybe real life hitmen. Even then, I kind of well, the actual hitmen yeah, people guess, kill people. Depending on the hit, probably. Oh, okay. No, well, the, yeah, Brett the hit, yes. Brett the hitman is okay in my book. I just don't feel that it should be in that an amount Rushmore discussion. I don't think it should be in a top five discussion. I don't think he's one of the best all time. I don't think so. That's my opinion. That was what was you know we discussed in that previous podcast. But we have our friend John, who's not only a Hitman fan because Mark's a Hitman fan. I mean, there's plenty of us who are Bret Hart fans. My, our friend John is a fanatic, and uh, he's going to be on here to point counterpoint with us as we talk about the career and the influence of Bret the Hitman Hart. I think we're going to have a lot of fun today. What do you guys think? I, I agree, sir. He's the best there is. Was he the best there was? <laughs> the best there ever will be. Yeah, if you don't believe it, just ask him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. So let's go back, man. Let's, you know, and again, let's, we'll just timeline things here. I'm 34, and you're what, 30. 30, and Mark, you're... I'll be 32 in be, August. So, yeah. so I'm a few years older than you guys. And in most realms, that's not that big of a difference, but in pro wrestling it is because... I I remember the Hart Foundation being a legitimate tag team. I remember them being uh, one of the top tag teams. I don't really remember them as heels. That's where they came in as heels. They were on WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 3. They were heels. They actually turned babyface to WrestleMania 4. Uh, Brett was the last one eliminated by Bad News Brown in a battle royal, and that turned him babyface. But they had a decent run as heels. I remember them more as babyfaces having matches against Demolition, um, having uh, babyface babyface matches against the Rockers, having matches against the Brainbusters. There's a great match against um, Arn and Tully in eight, 1989. Again, I'm five years old, so 
I barely remember that. You guys of zero. Yeah, aren't <laughs> even there around yet. So so there is a difference on the Hart Foundation, but have you guys ever gone back and watching Hart Foundation matches, seeing his stuff with him and Jim the Anvil and taking him in as a tag wrestler? And if so, what are your opinions? Uh, not anytime recently. I think I have, maybe with you or Jeff or somebody at one point. But uh no, plenty to go back and watch. Yeah, I really haven't delved into the network that much. I mean, I went back and watched like some old Raws when they announced that old Raws were on there, but but, not, so, not but too much. to go back to the late eighties, early nineties with Brett and Anvil, you never really watched much Heart Foundation? No, I watched I do remember in one of the episodes, one of my underrated matches was an extremely bloody match between the British Bulldog and I believe it was it Bret Hart? Do you remember? I don't I remember, remember a bloody match between the Bulldogs and the Hearts. They bloodiest. had some really good matches. I'm not sure about a bloody one off the top of my head, though. British Bulldog bled a lot. Oh, Davey, Davey Boy against Brett yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yes, yeah. that was Hershey. Hershey, PA, or yeah, exactly. not where I'm from, yeah. December 95. So, yeah, I guess I did with that. That was an incredible match. But, no, I'm thinking even a little bit prior to that. I'm thinking late 80s, early 90s when it was Brett and the Anvil as a team. Okay. Yeah, that's how Brett hit the scene in the WWF. So, yeah, before we get into Brett's career that we all know, I just... Just, just seeing if you guys had any memories at all about Heart Foundation stuff. Uh, I watched, um, you know, obviously I go back and watch Brett matches. There's not a lot with the Heart Foundation that catches me too much. And I think, I mean, you can watch their stuff at the Rockers and stuff, but there's not a lot going on uh, in tag team wrestling that was showcased back then. Um, if I'm going to go back to the 80s, it's, you know, the Macho Man Steamboat era right. stuff. It's um, pretty much all Macho Man back then. If you're, Really That's wanting to watch a real wrestling it's match. It's the same era, though, and there was some really good tag wrestling. Yeah, uh, you, you might have missed the boat. I mean, you, I just don't think they had as much competition um, you can't to con- showcase. Yeah, over that you, time. you can't control when you were born, of yeah. course, but like, I mean, the Rockers were a great team. Art and Tully were a great team. Demolition was a great team. The Hearts were a great team. The Rougeos were a really good team. The British Bulldogs, Strike Force, uh, Tito and Rick Martel. Really good tag teams, and that's only on that company because then over in the NWA, the Steiners were getting started, the Road Warriors, Rock and Roll at Midnight. There was lots of great tag. Um, Doom, Ron Simmons, and Butch Reed. Like there was a lot of great tag team wrestling. That was a really hotbed era for tag team wrestling. And uh, and to put over Bret Hart, the Hart Foundation was definitely one of the best. I mean, top five of that era really without question and that's it's impressive because there was a lot of great tag teams then when I look back at some of their stuff they're one of the first teams I feel like um, obviously the Steiners as well but really doing the uh, the the team moves uh, mm-hmm. really setting it up like tag a guy in guy already in sets him up for something Brett comes and hits him with something uh, really showcases some of that stuff and then uh, obviously that grew the hearts were great at that the rockers were great at that the bulldogs um, again Midnight Express my favorite tag team great at that stuff um, and that's what I'm saying tag team wrestling really did evolve in that late 80s era tons and tons and tons of great tag team wrestling um, well yeah I was just trying to piece that together to see what you guys remember because then Brett really you know took off on his own obviously if anybody ever jokes about the Sean and Marty thing, Brett and the Anvil was really even bigger. Just because the Anvil, Anvil never really took off as a singles career at yeah. all. Whereas Brett obviously had a very, 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 very successful singles career, which is what we're going to get into. Uh, I'll bring up, you know, um, the Brett and the Anvil lost the tag team titles at WrestleMania 7 which is in 1991. They lost him to the Nasty Boys. That same summer, Brett beat Mr. Perfect for his first Intercontinental title. 
1991, and I'll put myself there as a seven-year-old where I didn't quite understand work rate. I didn't understand, like, who the the best actual in-ring wrestlers were. It wasn't an important thing to me at that point. It was still the Hulk and Macho Man and everything. The big characters characters were what was important. But if you go back and you watch Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect and, like, us now... Us 10, 15 years ago would go, oh my God, I got to see that match. Mm. And it was, it, was, it was a great, great, great match. That was where Brett beat Mr. Perfect for the Intercontinental title and it spawned Brett's single career. Have you guys seen that match? Yeah. Okay. Good. What do you what do you remember about that? It's just two guys in their absolute prime, uh, probably even pre-prime. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, it's, that's it's true. exactly what you. Perfect think it was, was probably right there in his prime, and Brett was a little pre-prime, which is crazy. It's um, I mean, it's on paper exactly what you would assume it is on video. I mean, I don't think there's any. I think they, um, they were, over under. I think Mr. Perfect's one of the most underrated wrestlers of all time. Uh, guy oozed charisma, just full on. Not even just charisma, but like. He's a good-looking guy who literally was perfect to everything, and you just want to punch him in the face. <laughs> and then you add his actual wrestling ability on top of the character. Um, so, obviously, they... Uh, Without diving amazing. too deep into really thinking about who was in Japan or Mexico at the time, I would safely say they were two of the top ten wrestlers in the world at that mm-hmm. point. You know what I mean? Bret Hart and Kurt Hennig in 1991. No, for sure. Two of the, the top ten best in-ring wrestlers in the world. Have you seen that, Mark? Uh, have you seen that match, Mark? I have not seen that match, no. Oh! in for a treat yeah you gotta go back watch SummerSlam 91 Madison Square Garden Brett versus Mr. Perfect and that was the beginning of Brett's um, singles career okay to be honest yeah he uh, and now here's the thing back then like you know there there is no internet there is no dirt sheets well there is dirt sheets but we didn't get them where you'd have to read um, hey they're they're gonna look to push Brett Hart here you know you didn't know you know what I mean they were the Hart Foundation were just a tag team and they were always a team and all of a sudden, Brett was wrestling regular matches. And all of a sudden, he was wrestling Mr. Perfect, which, you know, back then, like, to us, the, the Intercontinental belt was, the, you were almost the second best, like... It pretty much almost always, even at that time, and then even later, obviously, put you... If looking back, you're like, oh, that guy's going to be a world champion. Yeah, you're the next in line. It's like grooming you for it. Um, so Mr. Perfect was, was positioned as a very, very, very top heel. And for Brett to beat him... Give Brett instant credibility, man. Like he, he absolutely hit the ground running then as the Intercontinental Champion. Um, give you his timeline here. He went into the Royal Rumble season where he lost the belt briefly to the Mountie. Uh, this is an early case of Brett being Brett. Uh, in order for him to lose, he had to have the announcers put over the fact that he had a 104 degree temperature while fighting the Mountie that night. That he was terribly, terribly sick, but he made the match anyway. And he had the mount. The mount. He got the win, and then he lost it a few days later to Roddy Piper at the '92 Royal Rumble, which then set up uh, Roddy Piper versus Bret Hart at WrestleMania Eight. And again, well, this might be a recurring theme. If you haven't seen this match, go watch this match. This is, in my opinion, just without even thinking twice, easily Roddy Piper's best match ever. Yeah. Uh, uh, there's also a great pre-match promo because they're both babyfaces going into this match of uh, them shaking hands and 
Brett pulling back his fist saying, I could have got you. And Piper with a fist with a belt wrapped around it going, no, you didn't. Like, I mean, it was just awesome. Um, do you remember seeing that match? Yeah. yeah. And uh, the finish was amazing. That was um, the sleeper. And I, the early yeah, the yeah. dream. Yeah. And I agree. Um, other than that, I think if you look back at Piper's career, he's got big moments. Like, mm-hmm. he's got the WrestleMania big 1 moments, and 2, great but not great, not great matches. He's got the moments of the promos and the Piper's pit smashing the coconut. He's got the... Uh, parking lot brawl with gold dust. It's it's moments. It's not matches, and that's yeah. that's his match. That's easily the best wrestling match we've ever had. Mark, we are we watching a whole bunch of Bret Hart matches after we get off the air here. I today? guess so. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm I'm also a little preoccupied, fucking with the the shit over here. How are we sounding today? We're not sounding that great. Oh no! But not only that, but I didn't start recording the video until just a little bit ago. We have the audio though. That's all right. But uh, that's all right. Yeah. I don't ever watch the video. It doesn't matter that much to me. We have the whole show. I can put the show together. We're good. Okay, well, I, I think I think uh, week um, 16 and a half has to be Mark watching a whole bunch of Bret Hart matches. because I think so. Because you're missing out, man, and, um, and uh, the promos leaning into him really helped, too, because... What leads from 92 where he does, he beats Roddy Piper at uh, WrestleMania 8, regains the Intercontinental title. Well, great, man. Before you skip to that, that was um, <clears throat> a super good finish that's still in Piper losing, too, set him up to be put over mm. uh, because... Piper never lost, by the he way. Never, he never, he never, never let pinned. out of his, uh, his move either, you know, mm. and uh, just great storytelling on that uh, after a great match, too. So we're going to lead up to SummerSlam 92, and this was in Wembley Stadium. In the United Kingdom, where Bret Hart took on another babyface, and you got to remember too, at this era, wasn't a bit. They hardly ever had babyface, babyface, or heel versus heel matches. It wasn't a common thing to do. The last one, probably big one before that, was Hogan, Hogan and Warrior. Warrior. And I mean, even then that was a huge. And then what was before that? I can't think of anything. Like they, it, it, they had to turn Macho Man to do sure. them. Yeah, they, I don't. I don't know. So, so it wasn't a big thing, you know. It was it was pretty uncommon to do babyface babyface matches, but they did one at eight with Hart and Piper. They did one at SummerSlam '92 with Bret Hart and the British Bulldog, Wembley Stadium, uh, main event for the Intercontinental Title, which um, Alternate Warrior and Randy Savage were on earlier for the World Title, which is almost unheard of back then. Yeah, the Intercontinental Title never ever ever got main event status over the World Title, and. This one did because Davy being so over in in Britain, which had I believe over seventy thousand people, something like that. It was yeah. a huge crowd, um, and this match is a five star match in every single any single book you want to write, and it's a five star match. Well, and with that match uh, being before the Intercontinental match, I think this is where you see this is where Brett's starting to take over the company as a. Well, the company's going more like obviously steroids at the time. They got to get away from that. Uh, and they're looking at work rate and shows you how over Brett and uh, bulldog were because of their work rate. They didn't have to be this larger than life characters. Well, bulldog was in the UK. Well, that too. Yeah, but. I mean, they they wouldn't have sold out any stadium over there without him there, mm. but it's not to take anything away from the performance. It was mm. a great match. Now, if you read Brett's book, Brett will tell you that he completely carried the entire thing. Oh, uh, didn't he say Davey was high on crack? Yes, high on yeah. crack with, with Jim Neidhart. Then, yeah, and, and yeah, I said, Brett, I'm fucked. <laughs> he said, Brett, I'm fucked. He didn't remember anything. Wow. Mark, you, we got a recurring theme here? You ever see that one? I did not. Oh! Just for the visuals of that crowd and, like, just the moment of... Um, 
just their work rate of how good they are together. Because even with him not remembering the match, they put a hell of a match on together. Brother-in-laws. Uh, it's just, it's it's got everything you need in a it's wrestling incredible. story. Uh, well, Davy Boy gets the win uh, there. He wins the Intercontinental is, title. Is that event. the one where his sister's sitting in the crowd? Yeah, and Diana. she's like, oh, who's she going to cheer for? It's, who's Diana going to cheer for? It's so cheesy, but it's perfect, perfect. for the time. Perfect. And Davy Boy gets the win in the UK. Ozzy Osbourne, I think, was out there raising his hand. Um, it was incredible, man. It was a great, great, great match. Um, but then Brett was on the Bigger Better Things because then in the fall of 92, on a house show in Canada was when he beat Ric Flair for his first heavyweight title. That one really came out of nowhere um, because it was just always the formula where they would build up the contender. You, and it's still the formula. You build up the contender. You build them, build them, build them, build them, build them. Here's your match. And you hope to make it a, I don't know who's going to win. In this case, it was a match straight up on a house show that nobody saw. I think they probably had a primetime wrestling, but... Uh, I don't yeah. think there was much build between Hart and Flair There's no build all. between yeah. Hart and Flair. It did. It came out of nowhere. Um, well, he maybe won, what, King of the Rings at that time? I not know. even yet. The King of the Rings coming in 93, so Brett had lost the Intercontinental title, so he got out of that mid-card. Um, Flair's still feuding with Macho and Savage, and all of a sudden, Brett just beats him in the fall of 92. Uh... I remember, I remember reading about it in the WF magazine. Actually, I remember being like on Superstars where like, Bret Hart is a new WF champion. And you're just like, what the shit? Like, <laughs> I will, I'll just give you my perspective from the time. I didn't see that one coming. And that's, as we get into our opinions on Bret and his legacy and everything like that, this is not a knock on it. But at that point, we were accustomed to, it's Hulk Hogan. It's the Macho Man. There's a little bit of the Warrior in there, and Ric Flair's in here is the big, big bad guy. Okay, yeah, like that's that we get. Bret Hart came out of nowhere, and that is the first WF champion that I ever remember going like, like, how was he the champion? Again, that's not sitting there like saying like as a knock. He just never I'm, been presented. I'm talking as a kid. He was never presented as a top guy, and it was only a year removed from him just being always a tag team guy. So his ascension was quick, if you think about it that way. Do you remember that? Do you remember when he got his first title, or you were you were still? Oh baby, no, super so, yeah. super young, and that's not going to be on like most stuff I can watch. No, <laughs> so I guess I guess that's just me reflecting. Um, it was it was a, it was a strange thing. When Brick got that first title run. Now what was going on behind the scenes was Vince was in the middle of a steroid trial, uh, and if you need to go back, to, I I believe they were pushing towards or trying to do Flair Hogan. Flair Hogan was supposed to be the match at 8 in 92. But I do know that it was. It was a conscious effort to kind of get rid of the bodybuilder types. The Warlord was not going to be around mm-hmm. after 92. You didn't, By all means, that worked before. These guys that looked like comic book stars drew a lot of money. I mean, they, they looked different than everybody did in everyday life. There were people, it was gladiators fighting on TV. So where you get a Bret Hart... Brett's not a small guy, by the way. He's 6'1", mm-hmm. 6'2", and 230, 240 pounds. I mean, he's a, he's a big guy, but compared to Hulk Hogan, no, he's not a big guy. And I don't think he put on the size yet till a couple years later. He started to get a little I bigger. I think so. Um, but there was, it was a very conscious effort at that point to present legitimate-looking athletes towards the top of the card. You know, Tito Santana, I heard, was actually considered for it, to get a Mexican audience mm-hmm. Because same thing, natural athlete, mm-hmm. you know, he was considered for the spot. And before all this, Tito Santana and Bret Hart weren't that far apart on the card. Yeah. For us thinking back, it sounds crazy. You're like, oh, Tito could have been the new the Bret Hart. That sounds crazy. 
They weren't that far apart when Brett got his Intercontinental title run and, and started sending up the card. Mm. Um, well, we'll keep moving since, yeah, again, this is a little bit before you guys' time. Brett um, has first match with Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam or Survivor Series 92. He had a good match with Razor Ramon at Rumble 93. Uh, he carried the heavyweight title the entire time until he lost it at WrestleMania 9 to the Royal Rumble winner of 93, which was... Yokozuna? Yokozuna. It's uh, yeah. the Caesar's Palace. Yes, yeah. <laughs> the, the worst Hulk Hogan run in yeah. ever. <laughs> wow. So he loses the match to Yoko in a 10-minute match. It's not very good. Uh, Yoko then immediately loses back to Hogan. Now I ask you, I know, John, you have. Mark, did you ever happen to read Bret Hart's book? No, sir. It's a really good read. It's a long read, but it's a very good read. This whole read. episode's a, a learning experience. <laughs> hey, man, we'll take it. We'll take it. We'll, we'll get to where He's we remember. He's a fascinating guy. Yeah. The Attitude Era. We'll get there soon enough. Brett was under the impression, when you got Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, and Vince McMahon, you got three bullshitters here, so who knows what the real story is. But Brett was under the impression that he would do this angle where he lost about the Yoko, Hogan would beat him, and then he would get the match with Hogan at SummerSlam where he got to beat him in the middle of the ring with a sharpshooter win his title back. I mean, and I'm not like being a dick about it. That's exactly what Brett said. Um, Hogan apparently had no idea that was happening. Then kind of kayfabe them both saying, well, I didn't promise you that, pal, and blah, 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 blah. So Brett gets beat at WrestleMania 9 by Yoko. Hulk beats Yoko in 30 seconds after. Then Hulk loses the title right back to Yoko at King of the Ring in 93. They added a new pay-per-view at that point in June of 93. Brett goes on to King of the Ring 93, which Mark again... You want to see Bret Hart in his finest hour? It's King of the Ring 93. Yeah. He has three matches. He wrestles all three matches in the tournament. He, he beats Razor Ramon. Then he wrestles Mr. Perfect, rematch from 91. Oh, it's an incredible match. Yeah. And then Bam Bam Bigelow in the finals. So if you want to see Bret Hart in his finest hour, it's 1993. He's on point. Okay. He's, he's, so he wins the 1993 King of the Ring, but still, at this point, he's kept away from the heavyweight title picture. Um, Yoko goes into a program with Lex Luger. Didn't gain a lot of traction. In 1993, WF is kind of at its lowest. Um, Brett's constantly feuding with Jerry Lawler. Which felt, even looking back, I wasn't even watching it in real time then. It feels like it was forever when you like look back at all he the programs did they did. With Jerry it was like Lawler a full year. It was I think two it was pretty years much... because they had the Kiss My Foot match in 95, and Lawler the attacked him on the throne in 93. Yeah. So it was two full years of kind of, sort of feuding with Lawler. Um, wow. Which is kind of bizarre. So Brett's kind of now Brett's taken out of the picture then. So I mean, you know, Yoko holds the title consistently for a year here, um, and Brett's out of the title picture now. Early '94, he teams in the Royal Rumble '94. He teams with Owen to take on the Quebecers, and Owen turns on him there. That's where um, Brett has a hurt knee. He should be making the tag, and he doesn't. And by the time he finally gets to Owen, Owen has enough of this shit and walks away. And then he kicks Brett's knee out after the match after Brett loses. So Owen turns on Brett. You get to WrestleMania 10, 10 10-year anniversary WrestleMania. And they have a very weird thing where Brett and Luger co-won the Royal Rumble. So what they did was have both Brett and Yoko wrestle earlier in the night. And the winners then... The winner of the Brett, or excuse me, the winner of the Yoko Luger match would wrestle Bret Hart later. So Brett wrestles Owen in the opening match, WrestleMania 10. Again, five star match. It's amazing. Yeah. No and two ways around it. If you know anything about that, that wasn't supposed to happen. I do. <clears throat> it was supposed to be Bruce. 
Bruce Hart is what uh, WWE yes. wanted. Go ahead, you go ahead and explain this one. I've been talking so a lot. They wanted Bruce Hart, which if you don't know him, he's like the older brother of the Hearts. One of them. Bruce wanted um, Bruce Hart, and he uh, pretty much ran Stampede Wrestling. He did a bunch of stuff. Uh, I heard that WWE wanted him too, and Brett adamantly fought against it because it was, it he knew was, the talent Owen had. It was Bruce's idea. Uh, yeah. But this whole storyline of the jealous brother was all Bruce Hart's idea. And then uh, apparently Brett pushed for it so hard that him and Bruce didn't talk for years, but Brett knew to get what he needed out of a match and his little brother deserved it because Owen was just floating around. Oh, he had been released oh, once. Oh, he had been Owen, back again. Owen, Owen was the best out of all of them. And uh, so that's how Owen and Brett got started was all because Brett just he loved the storyline, and he wanted he wanted Owen to get featured and be the be the little asshole brother who's jealous, and then uh, Owen took who actually great. actually beat his brother, and was amazing at being a little shithead brother. Beat his brother at WrestleMania ten, and then Brett won the title. And, and you want to talk about even better storyline? Yeah, you've Later got Owen night. beating him and saying I'm better than you. But then, then Brett's still walking out with the heavyweight title. And so what an easy storyline to tell then. It's amazing. Of the big brother wow. over taking the spotlight. But the little brother was like, I just fucking beat you. Amazing. So they had a match at SummerSlam 94, which was a great match. Steel Cage. Um, Brett then transitioned to a few with Bob Backlund. Uh, Bob Backlund actually beat him for the title at Survivor Series 94. Um, Diesel won the belt from Backlund the next night. Backlund was the definition of a transitional champion. It was basically they wanted to run with Diesel. They didn't want Diesel beating Brett. So Brett lost to Backlund in kind of a screwy fashion. Diesel beat Backlund in literally eight seconds the next night. Gotcha. Um, suddenly to the Diesel era. Uh, you got to WrestleMania 11. Well, that was where... Diesel headlined against Shawn Michaels. Brett had another rematch against Bob Backlund. Again, this is where Brett started taking a little bit of a backseat. You I know, think, I think this is where a big part of the story of Brett and Shawn starts to happen too. I think this is the click era. This is the click era, and this is when Brett starts because, getting real bitter towards those guys, especially yeah. Shawn. So that's a big part of this. Yeah, that is Makes true. Um, I believe Diesel and Brett actually was the main event of Royal Rumble '95 in a good match. Probably Diesel's best match in WWE. At '95, it was a really, really good match. Um, Brett started taking a backseat here because this is this is Click Era. This is Shawn Michaels with his ascension. And here's the thing, and we can get into a whole another discussion about the Click Era. They got behind Nash, Hell or High Water. It was going to be Diesel's era, okay? And you can talk about what Nash did or didn't contribute to the business, and it's fine. Shawn Michaels is about to get pr- featured prominently. Shawn Michaels earned it. You know, I mean, you can say it's power or what have you. Well, and he personally literally saw Diesel on TV. Yeah, he got released from WCW, Vegas, yeah. said bring him in. Yeah. So um, Diesel being his bodyguard, there's a natural story there anyway. Sure. And I don't think that was the worst thing that they did either. Now, Brett was definitely taking a back seat at this point because he feuded with Backlund. Rekindled his feud with Lawler at 95. It was the kiss my foot match at the King of the Ring. Um, had a feud with... Our boy, Isaac Yankum DDS, which became Mark. Kane. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know that. That one I know. <laughs> 95, he was feuding with Isaac Yankum DDS. He was feuding with Jean-Pierre Lafitte in 95. 95 wasn't a great year for wrestling, period. And both companies, just it was a rough year altogether. But Brett, uh, Doink Brett, and Tatanka were prominent wrestlers. <laughs> they absolutely were. <laughs> Brett definitely took uh, a back seat. Until Survivor Series 95, where he did. He beat Diesel, regained the title. Um, 
which after the match, Diesel powerbombed him a couple times after the match. And I remember, at least according to Brett, saying Diesel said something in the ring saying, like, remember who repaid you the fucking favor. Something like that. Diesel was kind of, the Nash was kind of pissed that he had to lose to Brett at yeah. this point, more or less. Um, again, which goes into the the backstage heat with the click and, and everybody else is something that we'll never know. We're a couple guys are just hearing stories. Mm. And again, there's always their side, their side and the truth. It's probably in the middle somewhere. So who knows exactly what's happening there. But Brett did regain the title from Diesel. Business was terrible in 95. Um, and Brett helped pick it back up. He maintained it until WrestleMania 12. And this is where we're going to, this is where we're getting to the meat and potatoes of our episode, I think. Mm-hmm. WrestleMania 12, Iron Man match. The boyhood dream. Boyhood dream comes true. Uh, one hour plus, because I go to an overtime period with Shawn Michaels, super kicks Brett, wins the heavyweight title. And I'm, I've been blabbing quite a while for the, his timeline. I'm going to pass this to you because this is where I know we're all going to pick do, up. Do you know much about that match? I do. There's yeah. a there's um I think it's the Brett versus Sean rivalry DVD where they yeah. have their first sit down together. They talk about their whole career parallels because they they're super parallel, uh, and then it leads up to the screw job or whatever. And there's a part in it. I think it's that DVD where Brett talks about they timed out that match so well that at five minutes they were supposed to be in the corner or something like that and do a specific spot. And Brett looks up at the time and they were on. 450 like three or something they were seven seconds off that's how like wow. well these two like mapped out this match in hindsight it's not a great match it's a lot of rest hold and stuff either. they had um, much better between the two of them they yeah. definitely had they, they had so much better separate which mm-hmm. is strange sean and brett are incredible talents and they've easily had five better matches with other people i, than I think if you crunch that down even to a half hour they would have had an amazing match yeah but an hour it's a long it's time. a lot of rest holds a lot of wrestling. Yeah, so um, but yeah, they timed that match out so well, which even though they hate each other, obviously clearly at that time they're working together. They had to plan all that out. I don't think they hated, hated each other yet. yet. Yes. Yeah. I and think actually that. from it's that night, I believe leads it's to it. It's getting pretty close to it. Um, so they the have, fuck out of my they ring. have that match. Yeah. yeah. And Sean tells him to get the fuck out of my ring or something like that. And Sean swears he didn't say it. Brett says, nah, you, you said it. <laughs> and, uh, Sean wants to celebrate in the ring and have the spotlight on himself. Do you remember that match, Mark? Are you in wrestling at this point? I've I've seen clips and stuff on. Were you on watching YouTube. the product all together at that point? Like, were you? A, I don't know what year was it. Nineteen ninety six. So we're looking May, at. I probably wasn't super into okay. it yet, but I probably caught it from here. Sean had been climbing the card. They had been pushing Sean as a babyface for the prior year. It was going to be his time. You could feel it coming. Brett was a little. It wasn't even that it was stale for lack of his effort, but it you know he had really now we're talking from ninety two into ninety six three and a half years as being positioned as a top guy. It's a pretty good run. Um, well, business was down in total then, and was. like you said, they kind of sunk Brett. Um, I mean, ninety five they sunk Brett. Uh, how much are you gonna do with him feuding Bob Backlund? They, and Jerry they, Lawler, they you wanted know? they wanted to get behind Diesel to try yeah. something new. They want to get you know good looking bigger. Naturally bigger. It wasn't a Hulk Hogan style. He was just naturally seven feet tall and a good-looking guy. It made sense to get behind him. It didn't necessarily work. Um, Sean wins the match in 96. Brett goes away. Now, there's a lot of debate on what Brett was doing while he was away. There was a lot of rumors that he was talking to WCW at that time. That uh, there was a good chance he could have went to WCW in 96. I believe it. Which is an interesting time because you remember who else left in 96 Mm -hmm. to go to WCW? 
Tala Nash. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they left in the fall, or excuse me, the spring of 96 uh, to go over to WCW and form the MWO. Brett was away. If you watch the product at that point, Brett was away from, he was not at SummerSlam 96. He le- he left the company. He was still with them, but he left the company. He wasn't on TV. doesn't know any house shows or anything from WrestleMania all the way up to Survivor Series 96, uh, where they were building up then the new hot hottest heel in the company, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Mm-hmm. Uh, Which plays a big factor in what happens to Bret Hart. Huge factor. For sure. Stone Cold is selling the match on TV without Bret Hart being there. Stone Cold is on TV calling up Bret Hart saying he's the best there is, best there was, you know, bullcrap. I'm the best. I'm going to show you. I'm going to beat Bret Hart's ass. Stone Cold the, is the hottest. He hasn't been established yet as the best, but he's the hottest going. So they build up Stone Cold versus the returning Bret Hart at Survivor Series 96. Tell me you've seen it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one I've seen okay. for sure. All right, okay, okay. Survivor Series, everybody remembers the WrestleMania match, which we're going to get to is incredible. But man, that Survivor Series 96 match is out of this world good. I think um, that's the first match. I mean, obviously it's King of the Ring. Once he cut the promo, you knew what Stone Cold was. Stone but Cold then, was uh, on his way. But Survivor Series, you get to see it in a match form with a top, top, top guy. Uh, I think that is his first real high-profile ma- It is his first real high-profile match. Austin, absolutely. Yeah. That, that starts. Isn't that the one that essentially gave him a babyface turn? No, no that, that was, was WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 96, uh, Survivor Series 96 was still Austin, completely healed. Brett coming back, completely babyface. Now, it's not to say that Austin isn't getting some reaction because, again, I remember watching. We actually ordered King Mary 96. It was me and my brother and my buddy Mike Crow. Uh, we're watching Sorcerer's Night Earth, ugh, King of the Ring 96, where Austin cuts the promo. The Austin 316 just whipped your ass. Mm. And nobody talked like that on TV. Yeah. Nobody did that. So Stone Cold at that moment was the coolest. We were kind of glad he <laughs> beat Johnny B. Bab. We were kind of glad he beat Jake the Snake. And nobody was like him to the point where he did that promo where you're just like, Oh my God, I got to see more of yeah. him. I have to see more. Like, he was the coolest. Well, and this was WWE yeah. finally finally going there because WCW was already heading there. The they, outsiders they, had already come over. The outsiders had already come over. Right. And so if you think about that, which this is really cool, in June of 96 was when Nash power bombs Bischoff off the stage. So the NWO was right there, right? They got Hall and Nash, July, Hogan joins. June of 96 is when Austin does the Austin 316 says, I just whipped your ass. If I, That is where the wrestling that we know and love, Change. I think, started. I think mm-hmm. that's right there, yep. man. I think about May, I June of 96. I believe it. All because, I, I, as we know it, it's because of one promo. At the right time, the perfect yeah. time. I think of multiple promos. I think I mean the, the but that one—that's the one that got WWE. The Hall and the Nash thing date. was booked so well. It was booked so dark. It <laughs> well, was, on WCW was, side, but if if Austin doesn't cut that promo at that specific time, and I don't know if they wouldn't have done that, that if it wasn't a reaction to maybe yeah. Hall and Nash. I mean, it's a really really cool thing to think about. And then on top of all that, think about the curtain call. Think about what the curtain call actually affected oh, Triple H. Supposed to win the King yeah. of the Ring. Triple H was supposed to win the King of the Ring. Hall and Nash were in there. They were out of there. It didn't fucking matter to them. So think about what... I mean, this is this is all just kind of fun hypotheticals. Think about if Hall and Nash stayed. Bret Hart going, I don't want to sit around here with Hall and Nash and Shawn Michaels. Fuck this. Yeah, he jumps. I'm going to WCW. 
and what could have been different with Bret Hart and WCW 96 as opposed to NWO. Hard to imagine, and this is, again, not a knock on Bret, hard to imagine it would be better because of how great we're talking about things were. It would have been pink and black. But NWO pink and black. NWO pink and black. Yeah. Like Bret Hart. He would have demanded. I mean, but it could have been completely different. A Bret Hart, who oh, was, on, was on top of the, I mean, he was on top in '96. Mm. He was more, he was more on top than Hall and Nash were. You know what I mean? Like, it's one guy opposed to two. But imagine what could have been different. It was Bret Hart going over at that time. Hall and Nash stays in WWF. Like, it's just really weird to think about. Austin never gets the push. Austin never gets the push because Triple H never does the curtain call. And Triple H, who you know has definitely earned his right to be one of the top guys ever too. But the, at the expense of Austin, and Austin reinvented wrestling. I mean, it that curtain call is crazy. It really is mm-hmm. on how many dominoes fell into place stemming out of that. Mm-hmm. Shit! Imagine if it never happened. The the curtain call. Yeah, that's what we're saying. Yeah. Then, like, if Triple H doesn't get punished, he wins the King of the Ring. So, what happens to Austin? Does he get over the same way? Hard to you say. Never had a chance to cut that promo. Hard to say. And honestly, Austin three sixteen doesn't exist because Austin had been around for seven years at that point in WCW, doing well, but never at that level. So it's hard to say. Do they look at him and go, oh, "This is the guy"? I mean, maybe. But, but you're right; doesn't have that opportunity. Their top selling shirt of all time still is Austin three sixteen. Mm-hmm. Really? And he only cut that promo because he beat Jake, Jake Snake. Snake Roberts was reading John three sixteen Bible verses. Yeah. And that's the only reason. Yeah. And that never would have so happened. So they caught chance. lightning in a bottle and it wouldn't have happened if they didn't do the curtain yeah. call. It's just it's fascinating. It really is that domino effect of what could or couldn't have happened. I think it's crazy. And a lot of it involves, you know, Brett. It really does. Um because Brett now we're we're back to Survivor Series ninety six where Brett beats this hot fucking Stone Cold Steve Austin character. Brett gets right back into the forefront. They have a crazy finish at the Royal Rumble 97 where Brett throws out Stone Cold but nobody sees it. Mm-hmm. And Brett comes back in, or uh, Austin comes back, back in and in. dumps Brett, uh, Taker, and Vader uh, to where Austin technically wins the Royal Rumble, but they don't give him the title shot that's you know, always guaranteed otherwise. And this is also where Stone Cold's by far the most over. Yeah. And Brett is and starting still to tweeting become heel, the but old yeah. guard yeah. who's becoming heel. Correct. But he's not heel. Where but Brett, to the fans. Brett should win and Brett should be the guy we're cheering for, but a lot of people aren't. I'm not going to say most of us, but a lot of people aren't. A lot of people aren't there yet. Because he wasn't, he wasn't cool. Stone Cold was cool. Stone Cold was incredibly yeah. cool. Uh, we get to the final four, which this is a hidden gem. If anybody hasn't seen this, February 97, the In Your House pay-per-view is called Final Four. It was Austin versus Brett versus Vader versus Taker. This is an incredible match. It's a four, fatal four-way match where it's either elimination by pin submission or throwing him over the top rope. It's a weird concept. Mm. I don't think they've really done before. Blader, uh, Blader. <laughs> Vader bled <laughs> buckets <laughs> at, at, the, at the seashore. Uh, <laughs> Vader bled buckets, um, and it was just a hell of a match. But the winner was going to be the heavyweight champion because that was the Sean Lust My Smile speech mm-hmm. at the same exact time. So Brett wins the belt. Brett then loses the belt to Sid. Well, to uh, touch on the Sean thing, yeah, go this ahead. is another part of why mm-hmm. Brett becomes who mm-hmm. Brett is. Is He claims this is uh, the first time or second time that Sean drops a title 
so he doesn't have to drop it to Brett because that was the whole plan, yes. according to Brett. 13 was definitely supposed to be the time that Brett dropped the title to Sean at 12. The whole play was Brett got to win it back at 13. Do you hear from other people besides Brett that it wasn't necessarily the plan? Yeah, but according to Brett, he'll go down, you know, swinging with this one was Sean was going to repay the favor at 13. Sean didn't want to do it. So Sean faked, he exaggerated his injury for the I lost my smile speech to forfeit the title going into the third WrestleMania 13. Now the other so thing So then he never so then Brett never beat him. Brett never beat the champion. So Sean's always got that fall on. Is Brett never got it back on Sean. And now the other thing, if you get to WrestleMania 13, Sean comes out for the Sid Undertaker main event and does a backflip off the top rope into the middle of the ring. Well, and it's then he just comes the, back to wrestling pretty shortly after. Yeah, two months later. Yeah. But it was just the biggest fuck you, I guess you could really. It was like, my knee's so bad, I just can't wrestle and I can't defend the belt at WrestleMania. And uh He goes out to do commentary and literally does a moonsault off the top rope and lands. Like, I mean, if it wasn't the biggest fuck you moment, <laughs> it's up there. I know, you're right. Uh, so, we, But Brett then loses the Sid. Sid goes on to defend the title against the Taker at uh, 13. Now, this is the match that you remember with the double turn. And this is where we're going to really dive deep into this because, nine, again, 97 Bret Hart is the best Bret Hart that Bret yes. Hart has ever fucking been. I think he's one of the best promos of all time. In 97. In, in 97. 97, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. By the love of, for the love of God, if anybody is listening, if you're watching, listening, pause us. Pause us right now. Fire up the network. Go watch WrestleMania 13, Bret Hart versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. It, it's, it's still to this day in my top five matches it's I've ever art. seen without yeah. even thinking twice about it. It's an incredible, incredible, incredible match that uh, resulted in a double turn, which is very rarely gets done successfully. Ken Shamrock as a referee even had a, a pretty big role in that. Where Bret Hart wins the match, keeps inflicting punishment on Steve Austin. Shamrock has to break him up. Now all of a sudden, Bret looks like the asshole. Austin is the just the most fightingest, toughest son of a bitch we've ever seen. And now all of a sudden, like what we already kind of felt anyways, you know, because there was nothing that Bret did wrong before that. And, and Austin really did everything wrong because he was the heel. But it was the anti-hero. Austin was cool as fuck, and Brett was a little bit white bread. And like all of a sudden, now they're giving us a reason to go, nah, no, you're the dick, Brett. <laughs> Stone Cold, he's the good guy. Uh, Mark, you remember seeing that match, man. How do you feel about that one, like, coming out of that? I mean, Stone Cold is, is basically the reason I got back into wrestling after, like, the, the kid years of watching it on, like, Saturday mornings and shit. But um, I haven't seen that match in a while, Quite some time. It's worth always a, brought up playback, in like yeah. top ten videos and shit, though. But um, I always think of the iconic moment. This is the one where Stone Cold is bleeding, bleeding. from the head, mm -hmm. and he's got that screaming face while he's in the sharpshooter, like to the point where I think they even they even copied it in the to reference back to the last episode, the Cody Rhodes and Dustin match. They did something very similar to it. Uh, I mean, there's a reason it's in your guys' top five matches, and I would agree. And As it should be. Uh, Brett, uh, to give Brett Hart more credit because he's the best, uh, they were not <laughs> supposed to bleed. They were not supposed to bleed at no, all. No, no, Brett. He talked, he talks he, into it and said he'd take the fall. He took the fall, which he did. did. Yep. That's correct. There was no blood in the WF at that point. Brett thought the match needed blood. So the, the finish was supposed to be Stone Cold passing out to the sharpshooter. No blood. 
Boy, that visual would have not been the same no, without the blood. Not at all. Yeah. Because uh, when he's doing the yell face, it's literally like he squeezes his eyes and it just trickles out down blood. down his nose just between his teeth, dripping on the yeah on the mat. Mm. Amazing. Uh, it's an amazing match again. And even the lead up to this, I believe, is when Brett starts to acknowledge that the crowds are wanting Stone Cold. Yeah, yeah. and he doesn't get it. Yeah, as you and, mentioned and, earlier, yes. he he doesn't get Which it. Which makes the crowd more turn Brett. Oh heel. man, like, you so don't the, the, get the, the, it. The, the, yeah, the, the stuff's there to set up for the double turn. Well, too. you remember that better than I did. Now, listen, the double turn happened that month, and now people forget they had a match in April at a, in your house preview, which is actually really good. Uh, where uh, Stone Cold won by DQ. This is where the turn was in full effect because Brett then comes out of Monday Night Raw in a match between Owen and Davey. And if you haven't seen this, this is incredible. Owen and Davey had a match and they're just at each other's throats. And Brett comes out to try to break, you know, bring the peace. And now Owen and Davey are standing at his heels and a baby face. Like, you know, uh, fuck you. We're ready to fight you. And Brett's saying, oh, stop it. Look what they've done to us. Look what these people have done to us. Turn family against each other. Mm. You know, this is crazy. And like, and, and in all reality, it's a babyface promo, but he's only doing it with heels. Yeah. And the people start booing the shit out of him. And Owen has big tears. And he gives Brett a big hug. And Brett hugs him and just kind of doing his Brett look around like, you guys are fucking savages. <laughs> and it, everything about yeah. it is babyface. And Brett did. That they get Brett, booed out of the building. That was Brett yeah. not turning on a on a, another wrestler. No. It was strictly on the crowd. On the crowd. Look what you're doing. Uh, and then he started... Yeah, well, that's no, late. Because he never had to turn on Austin because he was always against Austin. Yeah. He was just now against what Austin represented and against what the fans represented. And this and, is and just the crowd, brilliant. The crowds shit. changed. What happened was the crowds changed what a heel and a face are. Yeah. <laughs> so for being a heel or a face, you are now a heel because you're not cool. And by doing the right thing, but yeah, not being cool by loving your family and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that wasn't cool. If you want to be an asshole, and that like, wasn't drinking beer and yeah. stunnering people, so it wasn't fun. Yeah, and people loved it, and that's what got the Heart Foundation back together. Soon, Jim the Anvil joined. They had Brian Pillman join because he trained in the dungeon, and then that Heart Foundation stable, which is one of the cool stables. That was a great they stable, look amazing, all in the leather like Hitman jackets. It, yeah. Those guys were awesome. It was a Brian great Pillman stable and a great time for like. Yeah, it was amazing. It was a great time for wrestling. Uh, Brett was recovering from a knee surgery. Then there's a there's another always in, out on crutches or always on cr- he was on the crutches of the wheelchair. They would, they would wheel him out. This was another controversial thing. Was uh, Mark, tell me if you remember this, but this is something that's been brought up lately. That Brett, see this, this is again, this is who you believe. Brett will tell you that he missed the cue, but there was a time where they were on TV where Brett was going to run down Sean while sitting in a wheelchair, just talking shit to Sean back. Now Sean's a babyface; he's a good guy. Brett's the heel; it's established. Okay. Brett's running him down, telling him this, that, what have you, you suck. And the show's supposed to end with Sean super kicking Brett in the wheelchair, tumbling over, okay? All right. They're, they're telling Brett to give him the go-home spot. Stop talking. Give him the go-home spot. Brett says he never heard it. And Brett kept talking 30 seconds way past he was supposed to. All of a sudden, he finally gets to the queue. Sean super kicks him. Well, they went off the air. They're uh-huh. on TV. They, they, they got to stop filming at some point. So the show goes off the air with Brett just talking shit to Shawn Michaels. Oh, wow. Shawn comes back and he's, you know, listen, if you're going to go down the Shawn and Brett feud, I'm going to side with Brett more times than not. This one I got Shawn. Because <laughs> Shawn's coming back going, what the fuck? Yeah. You know, nobody saw it. 
where where you guys are just talking shit to me. I'm just standing there. That's what everybody's seen. He super kicks them, but it's after the cameras, and they show it like the next week. Like, oh yeah, after the show. But then Brett's just going, I didn't hear it. Yeah. So I mean, that seems like a little bit of petty bullshit. For sure. I mean, a bit. I mean, maybe he didn't know. You. I mean, who knows? But. Uh, it definitely makes Sean Could it look have like happened? Sure, is there technical issues? They happen. Yeah. They do have the history at this point now. But amongst two guys, they just not like He told him to get the fuck out of the ring. Uh, yeah. He Bre- is Sean convinced says he didn't drop the title to him. Sean says he's not returning the favor to you. Um, there was the backstage fight, which I think happens a little bit later, where mm. Brett rips out hunks of Sean's hair. And takes it to Vince and throws it down. Yes. <laughs> well, uh, and Sean, yeah. I mean, it's, it's no mystery that they don't like each other. So in this case, for Brett to sit here and, and he well, probably kayfabe in 2019 going, I didn't hear him. Well, it's probably bullshit. If he yeah. want to get to promos between these two, I believe it's then probably the next week or week Sunny after. Days. The Sunny Days promo, which if you watch some, I believe in Wrestling With Shadows, it shows you how great a friend Sonny and Brett Hart are. And which the craziest thing was is that Sean, Sean was, was dating Sunny. her. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Behind his wife's her, back. Yeah, behind, um, behind his wife's back and Candido's well, back. He, he uh... You know about the sunny days? Probably. Oh yeah, oh okay, for yeah, sure. Yeah. So <laughs> Brett's heart or Brett's wife legitimately starts thinking that he's having yeah, an affair. Right. Mm. Which, which by the way, Brett ended their marriage shortly. Which by the way, Brett did. Brett did fuck around. Not with Sonny necessarily. He's gonna go down swinging that he didn't, but if you read Brett's book, he never shied away that he had lots of affairs. He was he had different girls on the road every time he was out. He said he was never a drugs guy, never an alcohol guy, but he was a girls guy. Mm. And he he absolutely cheated on his he's wife. The best there is. <laughs> He's the excellence of He's a sharpshooter. Ah, uh, he probably, he probably. You're gonna roll with that one, huh? He's a sharpshooter. <laughs> oh, nicely done, sir. Uh, there was there was a Sunny Days promo, which was interesting. Sean cut the promo because I guess allegedly Brett and Tammy were very close backstage. Which is a fan, no one would know what that nope. even means. Here's the other thing that I was going to get into as we get into where the screw job happens. The internet is in its infancy at this point. This is 97. And Sonny was all, mind you, Sonny in 96 or 97 was the most downloaded downloaded. person on the entire internet. So if you were to get into the internet and you were your WFA, you're probably looking at Sonny. You're probably looking at Sonny. (laughs) You might have got yourself into some of those dirt Mm -hmm. sheets at the time. So this is the first time where they could say something like that, where, and even if you didn't know, you would go to the internet and go, what are they talking about? And you would maybe learn more. And and that's, I mean, allegedly what happened with Bret Hart's wife, like of all things. Um, so this is, this is an interesting time period where the internet is really taking shape that more people than not are having it in their homes even. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and with that was, I, I don't even remember how I stumbled across it, but I know like the first thing I did with the internet was look up fucking wrestling rumors. Like, you could find out what's going to happen because this is the Monday Night Wars. People are jumping ship. I swear in, like, a little later than that, but, like, 97, 98, 99, like, the only website I'd went to was WWF.com. <laughs> and, well, they're putting their spin on it, but then there's, like, Wrestling Observer, yeah, yeah, there's PW yeah. Torch. I use Raja, WWF. Yeah. Do you remember that, Mark? The internet in its infancy, man. Like, <laughs> for sure, definitely. I can't tell you what the fuck I was looking oh, at yeah. on the There internet, was porn but... music and wrestling, and we know <laughs> yeah, but, what which order they are in is your discretion, and I'm not judging you either way. But uh, I couldn't even tell you how old I was. I was, I was young, so who knows? Who knows? And this also adds to, once that happens, uh, Brett's done with Sean, and he is full bore on just being an asshole 
on every promo he cuts, everything he says to the crowd. The so, promos are incredible. Um, so if we go back to 97, Bret Hart, 97, anything. Um, let's go to 97 Canadian Stampede, where they are, they are absolutely on TV positioning this Canada versus USA feud. And again, there's just coincidentally so many shows being rated in Canada at the time where Brett and the Hart Foundation were positioned as baby faces in Canada and anywhere internationally. They were positioned as the baby faces. It was America's and it was, assholes. And it was, it, was, it was a real life kind of you know, take on, yeah, America is a bunch of assholes, a bunch of pompous asses. Because and DX is in full form by then and they were just assholes. Yeah, I mean, well, once Sean and Hunter got to go on, complete Stone Cold was a complete asshole at this point. And they're just saying, "Look at these guys. This is this is what you want to cheer for in America. We are we're Jerry Springer, mm-hmm. you know, era at this point. We're yeah, Crash TV. Yeah. yeah, we we are. We're going. Fuck you. You're boring with your white bread bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um. So they get to the Canadian Stampede, which is held in Calgary. And if you unpause from the bread, Austin Hatch pauses again. <laughs> You can watch this whole pay per view because it's incredible. The entrances, are but the entrances electric. of the. 10-man tag. It's the heart foundation of Brett Noen, Davey Boy, Jim the Anvil, and Brian Pillman versus Stone Cold, Ken Shamrock, Goldust, and Legion of Doom. It's a 10-man tag. All the heart family is sitting at ringside, and if you just want the most electric crowd that you've ever seen in your entire life, watch the Calgary Stampede pay-per-view. There's a thing... Uh, um, Canadian Stampede, it? I believe it's called. but Something like that. Um... I guess Brian Pillman said he hated the idea of being baby faces in Canada. He oh, just really? wanted to stay being a heel. He's yeah. like, it's not going to work. Oh, if you watch the match, Pillman was well, heel the entire time. There's a, I guess after that match, he told Brett convinced him like, mm-hmm. no, we have to do this. It's going to work. I guess he told Brett that was the greatest night of his wrestling career, I which, it. which he died shortly One after. Of the last but, of his but, career, uh, yeah, I, I guess he like as soon as he walked out and the crowd went nuts. He just was like, it's "Okay, insane. we now, got this." And, and Pillman's out there raking eyes and raking bags, and he's going toe to toe with Shamrock, not giving a shit. If you watch Pillman in there, it's actually a lot of fun because Pillman's just out there having the time of his life. Um, it's an incredible match in Calgary, where the again these guys who are being portrayed as heels all show long on TV, the mega mega baby faces for this night. Um, and they're still being heels. <laughs> it's it's amazing. They're still wrestling as heels. Yeah. And Austin, who is the hottest babyface in the company, is getting booed out of the building. And the and it's the complete reverse of America because Austin does heel things, DX does heel things, get cheered. Yeah. So when the Hearts are finally giving these these uh, American heels their comeuppance, the the Canadian crowd goes absolutely Such crazy. An absolute must it's, watch. It's ridiculous. Mark, you remember seeing that one? No, sir. Oh, it's amazing. No. We got a lot of Mark needs to watch some Bret Hart stuff. And yeah, uh, this one is incredible. This is towards the end of the Bret Hart's era, but it's incredible, man. Uh, it leads us to SummerSlam 97. We get to a match with Bret Hart versus The Undertaker. The Undertaker is the heavyweight champion. Um, Shawn Michaels is named the special guest referee. At this point, Shawn is still a babyface. Brett's the heel. Taker's the babyface. Too. Taker is outside looking in on all this bullshit. Just you know, he's just the heavyweight champion. He he's wrestling Vader and Varouk and some other dumb shit. So he's on the outside looking in. He's the heavyweight champion, but in reality, he's second tier to what Brett and Sean and Stone Cold are doing. So now, son, Brett earns himself a title shot against Taker. It's 1997. Sean is the special guest referee. If Sean does anything to fuck over Brett, he's going to get fired. That's the storyline going in. During the match, Brett spits on Sean. Sean, fuck it, tired of this, goes to waffle Brett with a chair, moves out of the way, he drills Taker with a chair, 
Brett makes the cover. Sean has to make the count. Sean get or uh, Brett gets the win. So Brett's the heavyweight champion, five time champ, heel. Sean's discussed it with himself. Strangely, it moves on to a feud with Sean and Taker, which takes top precedent, where Brett now is feuding with like the Patriot. Like they they brought in the Patriot just basically for this USA Canada deal. So again, Brett's taking a backseat to Sean, even though he's the champ at this era. And now these two hate each other in real life. Mm-hmm. Sean and Brett absolutely despise each other. So he takes on the Patriot uh, at the Ground Zero pay-per-view in September, and then it's a flag match, him and Davy Boy versus Patriot and Vader um, at the, um, I believe that's the Bad Blood, Hell in the Cell. That was where Sean and Taker wrestled the Hell in Amazing. the Cell. Yeah. Amazing match. In 97. So Brett, again, is a little bit taking a back seat, even though he's a heavyweight champion. The, the Canada feud's still going strong, but... Sean now has turned heel. This is, I think, is this is the very like defining DX coming together is when they come it out. Was, and they carry Sean out. Yeah, and Sean had turned heel then after that feuding with Taker, which is interesting because they were both baby faces, and and then all of a sudden they both turned heel in pretty quick succession. Um, but they built up to Survivor Series '97. This is where everybody knows about the screw job at this point. I guess before we start talking about it. Let's just let's just throw it out there. We'll toss the to mark okay. because the screw job in '97. We all know it happens. What are your interpretations of it? What do you think actually happened? What do you and how do you feel about the ramifications of the Montreal screw job? Uh, what do you mean? What do I think actually? Do I well? Do you do think I it was? Think do you think Sean it was all was le- on it? Sean? Well, Sean is a minute he was in on it. Do you think it was all legit? Because there's some that there said the whole thing was a work. Scott um, Hall. Scott Hall believes it is somehow. Yeah. I don't know really? why, but. Think about what happened afterwards. If it was a work, it would have been a great work because the WF never looked back after that. I mean, it could be. I wouldn't put it past them. If it was, it was the greatest work of all time. There you go, because they're still working it today. Yeah. Um, I think one of the I reasons mean, Scott Hall thinks it's a work is because, and Brett was in on it, is because he was getting so much money from WCW. Yeah. And Vince is like, I can't pay you. Let's do this. And we all make money. So, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put him past them. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, but... Uh, Brett's pretty pissed about it, but Brett's pretty pissed about everything. So, <laughs> I mean, which may, maybe I mean, look, Brett's a great worker. Maybe he's working it to this day. Maybe and he's such a protector of the business. If that's the case, Sean got the shit end of the stick on that one. He may have got the title and the glory in the, but in the end, everybody kind of thinks Sean's an asshole. I, at that point, Sean didn't give a shit. Uh, that's that, true. At that point, that's Sean true. would have... If, if all right. of that was well, true where they go, Sean, everyone's going to legitimately fucking if, hate if Sean you. Sean didn't get blamed for a long time, I guess. Uh, like, Vince vouched for him like it was all his. Yeah. Like, that was part of the deal. And then I think it's come out. Later on, Sean and Hunter both Hunter, said yeah. yeah. I think Hunter is his idea. Hunter kind of wow. loosely pitched the idea. Uh, Pritchard on his podcast, uh, he didn't know, but he's pretty sure that Pat and Jerry both knew... Hebner obviously knew. Hebner, do you watch the new um, Viceland? I've seen a lot of those Viceland. Uh, did yeah. you see the, the Screwjob one? No, I did no. not watch Oh, that. Hebner says Brett knew or something like that. Like, Hebner is like, I don't know, I taking back everything he's ever said. Only because I've seen and heard so much on it already. That's, that's, that's also like the last where, one I'm going to watch. That's also where um, Scott Hall's like, no, nah, it's a work. And then I think Bret Hart after that, or maybe it was on there, he's like, like Scott Hall's an idiot if like, we think that we believe him that he's never talked to Sean about this. Like, yeah, yeah. right. 
Okay. You guys are starting to convince me a little bit. I, it's it, Here's the thing. It's just the fallout that came from it is so interesting. Because if we're going to get into Bret Hart and WCW here, Bret's gone. I think all that's legit. I think Bret's gone. I, I think Vincent wasn't able or didn't want to pay him. I think they were offering him... They offered him... Um, I forget how much, but like a 20-year contract is the only way he could get the money that WCW I, offered him, and I, he was agreeing with it because he wanted to stay. I think the idea was Vince was going to send Brett off as hot as he could possibly be and making as much money as he possibly could, but also keeping the company hot, keeping the heel heat on Vince, and then also on Sean. Well, the heel heat on Vince was the you know the Brett Screw Brett promo was the next night or maybe the, it was a week. I think Monday, it was a yeah. week later. Still or with the black eye. With the black eye from Brett punching him. I mean, it just, boy, I mean, it's such a great story. It's a, it, if it was written out that way, I and, be, it and makes sense. At this time, uh, Brett Hart's getting a documentary filmed about him, Wrestling the with Shadows. The entire time the Wrestling with Shadows uh, crew is there, the entire you're time, right. you coincidentally see you're right. Unsanctioned by WWE. Um, they Which claim. They never let anybody behind the scenes before. They claim, Brett claimed that he didn't want to be mic'd up, and they were like, well, no, like, like, we need anything we can, and, like, that's why he was mic'd up when he went back and knocked Vince out. So is there a whole wow. lot of coincidences you know, involved? No, I never put any of that together. I'm, I'm convinced just, I'm, at this point. I'm just saying, I mean, it could all those be coincidences all together they sure could be, but it kind of makes a lot of sense if it wasn't. I mean... I do believe that Brett was on his way out. I don't think that there was that was anything fake. No, I, I think, think they worked it to their advantage, probably. Right. I think he had already signed. He, he had already signed. signed. He had, like, a, I think it was... Three year, nine million dollars, something insane yeah. for the time. Wow. And I think Vince was confident enough in the guys that he had that he didn't need Brett. So I think that I really do believe they worked that together. I still to this day believe they worked together. And I think Brett is such Brett's such a guy that protects the business and protects what his dad did in Stampede that he's gonna protect that on his deathbed. And so is Vince. Vince has been Vince has been in the business his entire life as a little boy. So I think they're both gonna take that one down with him. I, I don't think it's a work. I don't and, know, uh, Sean. I don't know it's a work. I think Vince and Brett do. If and if it's not a work though, this is where, well, Pillman had passed away, mm-hmm. and then this also October, this yeah. is where some of the worst luck for the most unlucky family of all time starts happening. No, because Owen passes in '99, and then the like their mom dies. One of their I think yeah, another brother dies, brother and then dies. their dad dies, and then uh, like it's then just Paul, this unraveling. Brett, Brett gets super kicked in the head, and has Brett a has stroke. a stroke. It's um, oh, yeah. Man. Now it listen, just starts does, unraveling. Does the un- yeah. Does the unraveling happen so, after so this? So if it's not a work, this sure is, does. They and that's having, not a work. Yeah, they start having some bad <laughs> luck. God damn, uh, they need to make a movie about Vince McMahon or a movie about like, like Bret Hart. I guess. Well, I, Vince yeah, McMahon would be way more interesting, you. and I think they are. I think they are. I've heard that for a while. Yeah. I hope it's good. That Page movie wasn't bad. I haven't seen it. It's, it, it was. I heard it was good. It had no right being as good as it was. I oh, think. Yeah. yeah, I'll have to give it a watch. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, no, this is in 97. Again, this is, if it, it's hard to imagine the secret would be that well kept also 20 years later. But maybe, maybe it's the last one they got. I, I don't know, because we still get such conflicting stories from different people. Like Pritchard you will do. tell one, Hebner tells one, uh, Vince tells one. Sean still is adamant that he didn't know, and then he says he did. And then, I, so it's, yeah. these guys can't even stay consistent on their story. So we don't know. Which could all be diversion from the truth, which it was <laughs> planned. I mean, it's it's a really, really interesting thing. Um, 
the fact that the cameras are there for that any special and everybody heard the microphone of Brett saying it's going to be a schmoz and Vince agreeing and then it just wasn't and then the Earl Hemner swearing on his family he won't fuck you the fact that Brett thought he was going to get fucked and then got fucked is just a weird thing I don't think that's I mean it's weird no because it never happened before so why would you say they think it's going to happen I mean well he blames uh he just he basically just thought Sean was a chicken shit. <laughs> like Sean was, did you hear that Sean had been training shoot holes with Jerry Briscoe like two weeks prior? No. Oh, because thought, he was worried Brett would kick Brett, his ass. Brett would kick his ass because uh, Brett could have kicked his ass. There's just no two ways around it. Uh, so Brett was learning shoot holes with Jerry Briscoe. If Brett tries to do this, this is what you do. Cause apparently Jerry Briscoe is the baddest motherfucker. <laughs> Believe it or not, he would kill you. Um, well, either way, whether it was planned or not, what happened was is Brett's gone. Brett lost the title at Survivor Series '97, and what, the screw job to Brett to Sean. What would you do if he's coming to your company in your WCW? What's the first thing you would have Brett Hart do? Shoot on WWF. I, I, that's a better idea than what they did. What they yeah. did was they brought him as a special guest enforcer for the Sting Hogan match, which was the biggest match they've ever had. And it was, it was done terrible. completely wrong. It was terrible. They missed their own finish for their biggest match. Brett wasn't Brett wasn't just a top guy coming in. He was the top guy coming in with the biggest buzz that you could possibly have. And he's your competitor's top champion who yeah. also never lost the belt. Yeah. Just... He's coming in, and they brought him in kind of like a wet fart, man. They just, you know, they had him feud with Flair immediately. You you bring him in on top. You either bring him in as your top heel against Sting or your top babyface against Hogan. Like, you don't do, and you don't fuck around. And they did. Um, WCW, if you listen to Eric Bischoff's tale, he'll tell you that Brett was kind of checked out from the screw job. I could probably believe that. Brett will tell you, no, I was checked out because they didn't know what the fuck to do with me. Yeah. I kind of believe I, that. And there's also the stories that Owen... So, Owen. like, Neidhart came, like, a couple weeks later. I think Davey went immediately with Brett. And Owen was thinking about coming. And, like, and Brett it. talks about, like, telling him no matter how bad he doesn't want to be in WWF, like, do not come to WCW. Yeah. Like, just telling him it's absolutely hmm. terrible and it'll never work for him. Wow. And Owen spent then another year wow. and a half before he, you know, of course, tragically passed away. Um so so here we are, Brett, in WCW. Do you have anything to remember? No, they show the clip of the Goldberg thing, which is pretty cool. The spear with the metal plate, and that's the it. The metal, that's oh, it. I thought you meant Goldberg kicking his head into the front row. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. That's no. what I think of. Yeah, I think of there's Brett that Hart too. In WCW. Brett had a great match with Benoit. Uh, oh, the, the Owen Tribute. The Owen Tribute was a great match, and he had a very good match with Benoit also when he won the title in 99 uh, in a tournament-style match. But you can't even remember his title run. Uh, oh, was, no, you can't remember and anybody's there was, title run at that And time. they were still like... That's just WCW. There was still some memorable WCW stuff going on. Uh, I mean, Goldberg was hot. DDP was hot. 98 uh, I mean, WCW is still great. Yeah, and they just did not use Bret it's, Hart. It's the beginning of the end, but 98 WCW, there's something wrong. I remember Halloween Havoc 98. If you look at this card on paper, it is stacked to the rafters. It was Hogan Warrior 2, which is notoriously <laughs> one of the worst matches that ever happened. But it was DDP and Goldberg. The main event for the title. You had Brett versus Sting. That should have been the match. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Go back and watch. It's not good. I I think it's, I said this to you before. Uh, Sting and Crow Sting had what memorable match did he have? I think he was nothing, absolutely awful. Was As awful. a character, he was amazing. They did some actual super long storytelling with him. 
the worst matches. Uh, he had nothing memorable. And Brett versus Sting just should have been the match the entire time, not only because of the Scorpion Deathlock and the Sharpshooter. I mean, that's cool enough, but they're similar size. Super similar, yeah. You know, and, and I mean, just, just top, top, top guys for a long time. That should have been huge. Bret Hart versus Sting should have been huge. Yeah. It wasn't. I mean, it just was Now, that's... that's I, I honestly think the, the answer is in between. I think WCW is petering out, and I think that Brett was completely unmotivated, whether it was because he was got the payday he always thought he deserved, whether or not he really was... Dis- if, if Montreal thing was all legit and he was that disillusioned from wrestling... That could make sense because it showed he he had he didn't offer a whole lot in WCW. Well, you think about his first good match there is probably Chris Benoit. That was Owen didn't die for a year, year and, a and a half, and then that match didn't happen right after. They waited till they were back in Kansas City. Yeah, a few months. So later. So it's a few months later. So, so almost, almost two, two years. years before he has a memorable, memorable match. And it, was, it wasn't even a pay per view. That's crazy. <laughs> I, that, that's just crazy how hot he was. Not even the Bret Hart that we all talked about from the late 80s into 95, 96. We're talking about 97 Bret Hart, this character that was just incredible. Could he you the hottest he had ever been and just did nothing. Could you imagine putting him with a guy like DDP who was ultra hot? They did. and, and But actually making them like something against the NWO or something and like they didn't do any of this stuff could have been they had him no. join the NWO they had him be Hogan's butt buddy which is like the worst <laughs> thing they could have done do you remember anything Mark from Bret Hart and WCW Dude, I, I wasn't a, I was a WWF guy I was a WWF guy too yeah and Bret Hart going to WCW was that's that's as big of a jump as there was to be honest at, at that time when the Monday Night Wars were in their heated their hottest because WCW was still winning in 97. They didn't lose until 98 with with an awesome um, McMahon thing. So WCW is still winning. They just got the top guy. That's the Warriors getting Kevin Durant. Yeah. I mean, they're winning and they got the top guy. How do you stop them? Yeah. And somehow they fucked it all up. And again, I mean, I, I would I would personally put it, I mean, just on the outside looking in 50-50 on what WCW is doing and then Bret Hart kind of half-assing it while he was there. That's my perspective. If I was them, I would have been motivating it. I would have just been like, I would have just said, here, take a microphone his first night. I mean, what else do you do? Brett said he was motivated. Brett said he wanted to go out there and stick it to him. But they, but, they didn't I mean, do anything. He they didn't even, put him, on, he's they like, didn't even I, put him on TV until that Starcade. I think well, they just talked about had, him. That was the first thing they might have been allowed to. You know, oh, there's a, there was a weird transition when you're you yeah, know, yeah, initially yeah. retired. I don't know if they were released. putting that stuff in back then, though. I think that's, I'm not sure either. <sighs> So Bret Hart goes to WCW, and unfortunately at uh, Starcade 1999, December 99, he uh, got super kicked by Goldberg, got a severe concussion, uh, was out for a while, and then he wrecked his bike and clonked his head and suffered a stroke where effectively retired him in ring. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I always thought it was the Goldberg kick that yeah, did it. I think he, that was part of it. He wrestled later. He was some dumb bullshit against like Terry Funk in a hardcore match like after like really where he, yeah if you wow, read his, if you read his book he doesn't sell that he couldn't feel it the nerves in his hands while he was wrestling it was some dumb shit they made Brett do um, wow. okay so we we sat here and we covered his career we just we we kind of went factually and we covered a ton of great matches so many more great matches than a than a Hulk Hogan had in his era like it was just it was a different era um. I don't know, you know, probably more great matches than Sean had in that era. Sean, of course, came back after 02 and had a ton of great matches, too. So comparing them is kind of tough. Uh, so Brett definitely, though, had a ton of great matches. There's a handful of five stars in there and a whole bunch of four stars. I mean, great, great matches. 
My position is where I feel he's overrated is that he never moved the needle enough. He never became a top star. And he never was really that great as a character until 97 where he was just whiny-ass old man Brett. Do you think (laughs) if he didn't leave then and he stayed whiny-ass old man, he becomes even better? For at least a year or two, yeah. You think think you get like some of these other guys that start to come over? I can't say like Babyface Rock. Imagine maybe it's rock and you know eyebrow raising, trailblazer blazing. All, I, trailblazing. I think he could have been great against. Um, I think next natural opponents Triple H on the rise. I You're done so with Sean. That's his lackey. Oh, you know? Triple H ninety nine with Bret Hart. Like yeah. you know that era. I mean, it could have been great. More programs yeah. with Stone Cold. Um, so so maybe in my sense that he's overrated in WWF folklore isn't necessarily all his fault. It, I think it. Could have been better, but I don't. I don't put him. I don't put him above John Cena. I mean, I just don't. I don't think he is as influential, and I don't think he's had. If we're being honest, I think John Cena's had more top-notch matches. It was a better. Uh, it was a longer line. It was a longer run. I don't think he had more top-notch match. I don't think Cena started having. I don't. I think Cena. I don't think Cena had promos. I think Cena was a more memorable character. I don't think that Bret Hart tops John Cena any all-time list. I don't think. And a lot of people he does, and that's where I feel Bret's overrated. I don't think Cena started having top-notch matches until the CM Punks and Daniel Bryan started coming along. Anything he did with Orton, I think, sucks. Uh, The stuff with JBL, he's got that one memorable match where he's all bloody. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think there's a lot in over half his run. No. I still think he's more influential, more important than Bret Hart. Where 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 but do you land? I would I would agree with that. He's more he's more in I don't know about influential to the business, but I think he has he's definitely bigger than Bret Hart. If you're, if you're ranking them all time, not necessarily it's, your favorite, but all time top WF superstars on whatever list you want to do it on, John Cena is ahead of Bret Hart. But is this because the WWF as a machine, WWE, is so much bigger that they can present that than it was in 95, 96? No, I think Cena earned it. I really do. I think he earned it over the longevity. I think he earned it with great matches. I think he earned it with better promos. I think he earned it by better character. I, I really do. I think Cena's earned it where he's better. No, here's the thing. I mean, Hulk Hogan is bigger on that scale than Bret Hart is, and he definitely didn't have the better I, matches. I also think comparing all these guys, it's apples to oranges. Hogan, it, it Hogan is to Austin, sense. Austin to Cena. Austin, uh, the closest two, I think, would be it's Cena and The Rock. Cena and The Rock, and yeah. then Sean and Bret, and yeah, where yeah. you rank them. Um, and then we talked about before we started filming, man, like, when Sean and Bret will always be parallel. Mm-hmm. They always teams, will be. Intercontinental title, heavyweight title, it's all at the same time. Similar size. Brett's a little bit bigger, a little bit more believable, but similar size, similar runs. They'll always be compared. And we talked about this. Who do you think is the better in-ring wrestler? Oh, I think Bret Hart. You think uh, Bret Hart? Um, yes. Like you said, his run um, to when Sean got hurt was better than Sean's. Yeah. Sean coming back gets a, a whole new spin on it because he had some great matches on his return. I don't think... Sean and Diesel was as great of a match as Brett and Diesel. Yeah, I don't uh, think, think it's pretty close. I think Brett pulled some good matches out of some the not great situations. There's a reason he stayed on top feuding with Jerry Lawler and Bob Backlund. Sure. Um, does Sean recover from being in a position like that? I mean, it's hard to tell. Yeah. What do you think, Mark? 
In ring, Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart. Shawn's my boy. Yeah, I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna go Shawn every time. You, you know, I mean, you can present an argument for either guy. Well, um, and as much as you say the industry was super down back then, like I said sometime before we started recording, um, Bret Hart still found international crossover success. The international success is absolutely it, legit. Well, like they, I said, he was on The Simpsons. I mean, he did big things that no other wrestler was doing yeah. uh, at the true. time. They, at a time, they, no they one was doing They drew like crazy overseas with bread on top. Why exactly? I don't know. I mean, he means from Canada, but that's not like international, international to them. He was huge, though, in Germany, in the UK. He was huge everywhere he went overseas. Brett was incredibly over. <laughs> Where I was getting at was, is that I would personally take Sean in ring. I would think Sean is the better promo altogether. Brett cut some great ones in '97, but altogether, I think Sean's a better promo. I think Sean has more charisma. I think Sean, I think Sean checks the box a little bit higher than Brett in every single mold. But Brett did draw more money. Brett was more successful. Brett, uh, absolutely, you know. And again, if you can't explain it in words, why? I mean, I personally can't, but I won't take it away that Brett did better business than Sean did. And they were two different mentalities, I think. Sean was starting to be that new era, and Brett was super kayfabe. I mean, he grew up in the business. He he was just the old guy, like, I'm going to do business the right way, and I'm a technician, and I want to do everything this way. I think the business did pass Brett by. Yeah. And I think that 97 run was so great because it really was, that, that was the crossover. He saw the business passing he by. He saw him passing by. He was the cranky old man. And he was the perfect character for it. Like, it was, it was, it was incredible. I think Brett was a victim of a transitional period. And I think Sean was a, he benefited. Beneficiary. Transitional period. His character went farther in that transitional period. Brett's heart's character kind of. Well, what's crazy is, is that after, old after 97, you know, Brett goes to WCW and Sean gets hurt at Royal Rumble 98. Casket match? The casket match. Mm-hmm. He gets batched up over the ropes and uh, hurts his back and he's gone at, at WrestleMania 14, April 98. So now, what's, I mean, it is crazy in a six month span, you lost Brett and Sean. You're the WWF. You lost Brett and Sean. If, if Vince was okay letting Brett walk away, because he had Sean, he doesn't have him anymore. Mm-hmm. So now you get in 98 where he makes himself the top heel. <laughs> and it fucking worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, him versus Austin, he let Foley have the run with matches with him. He still used Taker and Kane and, you know, brought The Rock they along had to, at that They were point. kind of forced to bring The Rock up. They brought The Rock along pretty quick at that point. Uh, and they never looked back. It all worked. But it's crazy to think that. What if they still have Brett and Sean? Where would everybody else be? I mean, yeah, yeah we may never have Dwayne the Rock Johnson the actor. My, you know? It would like, be it's tough crazy. to imagine him breaking through with yeah. those many guys there. It's it's interesting. The Rock would be like managing the Usos right now or something. Yeah, it's one of those. Oh, that guy was pretty damn good, charismatic guy in the WWF. Like, <laughs> not the biggest movie star in the world. Maybe be the president. Yeah. Like it's it's, <laughs> it's 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 crazy to think that butterfly effect of. All this Bret Hart stuff that went behind the scenes, too. I mean, it really, really is. Um, to be so, honest, I wouldn't want it any other way. No. I'm glad it all happened I think the way so too. it did. Which, it's which, which, you know, maybe Bret Hart might be a victim in that. I mean, he got paid for all the bad bullshit he did in WCW. So he got paid, and he was able to, you know, provide for a share the rest of his life. So it's not a poor Bret story. It's a poor Bret well, story talking about Goldberg kicking him in the fucking head. And as much as his career basically ended at the screw job. I mean, what a way to go. I mean, that like you're folklore at that point. And there's that's, a reason we're talking about this now. That's, that's the reason we're talking about this now. And that's the reason why when I said, what do you remember about Bret Hart and WCW? And you're like, meh. 
I essentially did end at the screw job. It didn't, but it did. He had two more years of active wrestling, but nobody remembers it. Well, I mean, even even the most memorable thing about one of the most memorable things about just this year's WrestleMania is Bret Hart getting tackled. Yeah. As he's giving his speech. I mean, he's still legendary to this day. Yeah, Everything well, he does is controversial. And what was memorable at AEW was MJF saying, well, look out, Brett, there's a fan come. Like, I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if 10 years from now we hear Bruce Pritchard talk about, oh, that was all work. No. That, <laughs> I, actually, I actually love that uh, AEW brought out Bret Hart. I mean, if you're going to have a guy bring out, a, unveil a title, what a cool guy to do it. Well, Jinder Mahal would have been better. <laughs> yeah, he, okay. He was a better heavyweight champion. Yeah, okay. Uh, <laughs> I had to troll a little bit here, even though that's just the most ridiculous thing I could have ever said. Uh, well, I mean, Bret Hart is a controversial figure in that sense where, you know, his best work was on his way out on in a situation that may or may have Promo not been work. work. Best wrestling work. He had been doing it, like yeah, you said, 91, 92, 93. Best, but the best character, the one that got the most attention is 97. Was whiny ass Brett. He was great at it. Like Stone Cold says, the best characters you are, you turned up to 11, and that's exactly what he was. Exaggerated versions of yourself. It was great. Well, I, I, look, I think we got out of this without me shitting on Brett too hard. Well, if he's. Where's he rank? Is he in your top 10? Top 10, absolutely. For, well, for WWF stars, yeah. For everybody all time, I don't know. Now, I don't I think like he's that. the greatest of all time. I rank Stone Cold above him for importance of wrestling. Yeah, Stone, Stone Cold. Cold Stone I, Cold's above him. I don't think you have anyone Hogan's above Stone above Cold. Hogan's above him. Cena's above him. I Shawn, don't. Shawn Michaels is above him in my mind. And honestly, I mean, like, you know, match quality and everything like that. No, I mean, The Rock isn't even close. But if you're talking about who really drew money, who really drew houses, who really, I'd have a tough time it's, putting bread over I, The Rock. It's different with The Rock too. Because Stone Cold was there, drawing yeah, so much. I'd have, trouble, I'd have trouble putting Brett, Brett over the Brett Undertaker. Brett didn't have a lot of people of helping like, him pull the money in 94, 95, oh, no, 96. You know, so. That was actually one of Josh's point of view. And like I said, he, he, he became a crossover star without anyone else there. So he tried. It, think about how much bigger he could have been if there was another top I guy there. I will never say he didn't try. I will also say that he was definitely way better in his own head than anybody else's. Yeah, in my head, too. You, Bret Hart and John Thomas' head. <laughs> uh, another guy that's got a hot black wife like me. Uh, <laughs> me, yeah. Cody Rhodes, and Bret Hart, the greatest. That, that's your crew? Yes. That's your running crew? That's my crew. I like it. I like it. David Bowie had a hot black wife, too. For He's conjoined, too. Bring him you, back. David, David Bowie's corpse, yes. Cody Rhodes, Bret Hart, and John Thomas is the new stable. That's a good stable. Going to the day with their hot Ooh, black wives. That's a good stable. Yeah, boy, you get to be the new four horsemen. Yes. Well, you're, you're a heel in my book, I'll tell you that <laughs> That's much. fine with me. <laughs> that's a good way to end it. Yeah. <laughs> That was a fun episode. That was that a little was. bit different. We, Rocky, we never really Rocky did one start, like that before. I, I feel like we uh, planned on uh, pros versus cons Brett argument, and it kind of just was nice to just do a retrospective of Brett. Yeah, it was cool. I think so. I mean, like, again. Because we all do only, respect him. My only con is is where he is held in regard all time. I think it's a little too high. I, that's really my knock. That's where I would say that overrated comes in. See, but you put Stone Cold so high. I mean, Brett's a big part of getting Stone Cold over. I'm not denying that at all. He's a big part of getting Sean over. Not denying I mean, that at all. 20 years ago, yeah. He's, he's up there. Now, so much has happened over the, the last 20 years. Now, it is yeah. rough because like, you add guys like CM Cena, Punk in there. Cena yeah. and Orton Brian and Punk in there. and Brian 
where do you put Brett all time? Is he better than those guys? And, and I well, have a tough Triple time. Triple H, you add him in there? I, there's no way he's over Triple H in my book. I think so. And, the, oh, and Bret Hart might come in here and sharpshooter me for saying <laughs> that out loud because he hates Triple H. But uh, according to him, uh, just like a year ago, he said Triple H still can't lace up his boots. <laughs> Actually, I heard that. I heard that. We, we could close this out with, with you know, doing some Bret Hart impressions, which by the way, I do kind of want to close this out. That Patrick Hayes, you know, my, my dear friend uh, who I hate, quite a bit also um, <laughs> said that it's not fun doing Brett promos. It's fun doing Brett in real life. It's fun talking like Brett does in the shoot interviews because he always, and I'll give you an example. Okay. Okay. So, so um, I got to the 94 King of the ring with diesel. And uh, I gave him the best match of his life at, at that point. Uh, Diesel was green, never had a good match before, and I told Vince that I could give him a good match, <sighs> and I could get a good match out of Diesel and Sid. Uh, a lot of guys that just couldn't work. You sound like Lars Ulrich <laughs> more than uh, Bret Hart. <laughs> I could get a good match out of these guys. Uh, I just... I just wanted to win with a sharpshooter in the middle of the ring, and uh, Triple H still sucks my balls. And uh, best there is, best there was, best there ever will be. It's more fun to do Brett in real life, where you do the big gulps and and the just putting yourself over shamelessly. And that's one reason I love Brett, and I do believe him about a lot of stuff because he seems super honest, and he's never he's honest about himself because he uh, thinks he's a mark for himself. He's never over the top with anything, really. So he's over the top for great. his whole career. Eh, whatever. <laughs> if you ask, if you ask Brett, uh, he fucking carried Isaac Yankum to a five star match. Like he's never had a. Bad match in his life. Like he he legit crushed all of his ribs in a match against Cena Bravo, but still rolled in the finish because I couldn't let a guy like that beat me. <laughs> this guy was underneath, and I was, uh, you know, couldn't have the fans see a guy like that take me out. Like you crushed all your ribs on the fucking railing, guy. Just calm down a little bit. He's a good good guy. <sighs> you say I, I don't know that he is. Did work a show at the Kenton Civic Center with him. Shook his hand. Very polite to me then. Yeah, you want you want to smell my hand? It's only smelled like that fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago. Yeah. Damn. All right. Well, hey, I guess man. this has been a fun day. It has. It's been a. It's been quite a day. Uh, I apologize for. Uh, I was kind of checked out for a minute between not knowing half the shit you were talking about and having to fucking play producer over here. You produced I was well. It's almost pal, like I wasn't here. And we got plenty of Bret Hart stuff to watch. You got some catching up to I do. do buddy. I yeah. do. I guess next time John comes around, I'll, I'll be a little bit more. I'm sorry. Thanks for having educated. me. Uh, but I. Uh, sorry if I took over some Bret Hartness. I. I uh I get the blood gets flowing for the Bret Hart, you know. <laughs> no, I believe blood it. gets flowing where? Scott <laughs> gonna get jealous. It's, it's everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh shit. Well, again, thanks for joining us, yeah. sir. Um, that said, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the YouTube channel, Facebook.com/slash Ohio WrestleCast. Or no, so Matt Archer Media. I think I said that on the last one too. That doesn't actually exist yet. I'm working on it though. It will um, by the time it'll be out. That's your deadline. I, I got to make a deadline now. Is that I guess what you're so, because uh, you're telling everybody to check it out. So, of course, you're the one who puts this out. So it's up to you. Next episode, I'll let you know, people. Um, yeah, I guess. I guess. 
Is there anything I, I said before we go? Yeah, you know, uh, this has been a lot of fun. We got John, we got a friend of the show, and if anybody else is listening, man, let us know. Talk some wrestling with us. Uh, you know, if we get a chance to get somebody on to talk wrestling with us, we'll gladly take you. Um, you know, Justin, our boy, Colin McGuire, talked to me a little bit, said he's a fan of the show. I uh, was interested in getting his yeah. own podcast started. He uh, just texted me the other day and asked me to, uh, what your podcast was, so I sent him the iTunes The Ohio link. WrestleCast. Nice. Uh, Colin McGuire, man, check us out. Uh, my old friend, Tim Shady, which I like way more than Slim Shady, because no, Eminem fucking sucks. Uh, Tim Shady, Tim DeBose, uh, hit me up saying he was a big fan of our podcast. I uh, came up with him in the business. Uh, was very interesting in our show. So thanks, guys, for listening, man. And, for sure. uh, again, click that subscribe button. Helps a lot. Helps us get moved up the list. Uh, suggest it to any of your friends. Want to hear some dudes talk talk some shit about wrestling, man. We always have a great time, and we appreciate everybody checking us out. Absolutely. Um, merch available soon. Merch available soon. That sweet-ass logo we got going back there. Apparently, you can have it as a shower curtain, which I want. Yeah, you can have a shower, shower curtain. <laughs> and if you'd like duvet. to see me demonstrate that shower curtain, Shoes. I'm also on Tinder. Wait, oh, no. <laughs> Gr- grinder. <laughs> grinder. I am not on Grinder. Uh, <laughs> um, we have merch coming out soon, man. For really sure. Cool stuff coming up. Uh, yeah, I guess with that said, until next time. Bye, Internet. Bye. I love her. <laughs>